I also so, thought it was interesting because it said fights break out in under eight hours. And I was like, I guess what's it what's stopping you from saying fights breakouts immediately? Cause like at that point, it's like, yeah, I put it on my face and, and it's it fighting breakouts. So <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. This is the Chemist Confessions podcast. I'm Gloria. And I'm Victoria. And this is a human conversation about all things skincare. And what's the episode about? Well, we're talking about acne. Ah, dun dun dun. So after sunscreen, another dense one. Yeah, you guys asked for it. Fair enough. It is about time. So yes, um, especially today, we'll be decoding some acne claims. Yep. But first things first, mm -hmm. let's start with some brand news. Yeah. So Gore and I have some travel coming up. While it might not sound very scintillating to you guys, uh, we are always really excited. NYSCC is having their suppliers day. And this is where Gloria and I get to nerd out, find out um, all of the new ingredients. Also, if there's any new data. Um, that we can of, share with you guys. Yeah. Um, get some brainstorming going for some new launches that we have planned. So this is a, a really exciting trip for us, but we'll also be speaking at a panel. Yep. So this episode is coming out May 1st. We are speaking on panel. Whoa, is it May 3rd or 2nd? The 3rd. I think. Yeah, Whatever. No. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, we'll be participating on a panel. Um this week so um may 2nd and 3rd we'll be at the show in new york so yeah. keep an eye out for snippets of um of things from the show we might be previewing some stuff Yee. and on the panel we'll be sharing about our journey as people that share these scientific insights with you all and hopefully we'll get to meet up with other influencer friends totally so look forward to that content and uh, side note, um, something we're really excited about and also um, kind of riding the wave of buzz and kind of our excitement with the last sunscreen podcast episode, um, we actually have a very special campaign going on for May um, where Gloria and I will be doing a 30-day sunscreen challenge. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thank God there's two of us because I don't think like one single person could do this. I, I'm just gonna say that if you guys count up to 26 and stop counting, that's that's good. That's good with me. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. that's a goal. 30 sunscreen. Yes. So uh, what that means is Gore and I will basically be vlogging our sunscreen habits for mm -hmm. 30 days, pending days at the office or whatever weekend plans. Um, and hopefully that will be kind of a nice, fun get ready with us kind of um i don't know content series and also we are featuring our blank slate cleanser as a yeah it's great and important to apply correctly but also don't forget to remove your sunscreen at the end of the day yep so it will be a blank slate versus all them sunscreens type oh so Keep your eye out for that and let us know if you have any sunscreen questions because this is going on for the whole month. If you have a sunscreen you're dying for us to uh, to get our feedback yeah. on, for us to test, let totally. us know. There's still time. Obviously, we already prepped a couple of uh, clips already, but we're still we're not that prepared. We're not prepared that early on, so hey, let us know. We're trying. We'll still slot them in before Memorial Day. Episodes every week. Come on, know, give us doing, credit. Doing so well. <laughs> All right. Anyways, 
So let's move on to the news. All right. In the news, this is very interesting to me. Curology is launching. I feel like actually we're behind on this, but anyway, it just caught our radar. Curology is actually launching their Future Proof product, which is meant to tackle anti-aging. And what they're claiming is it is proven to tackle skin texture, fine lines, wrinkles, dark spots, and dullness. And their three main core claims are results in 90 days or get your money back, mm-hmm. free online access to a dermatology provider, and easy bi-weekly deliveries of your routine. Bi-monthly. Easy bi-monthly <laughs> deliveries to your routine. <laughs> Victoria's absolutely right. I cannot read anymore. <laughs> Well, I think it's actually I find it interesting that I almost feel like they're almost a little slow to this game because yeah. I feel like people were on this tread journey or this anti-aging thing. All the prescription skincare services mm-hmm. was on this way earlier. And also it's not super different than the acne prescriptions. Yep. Exactly. Because the core, the proven ingredients pick for your goals according to Curology are tretinoin, azelaic acid, Niacinamide and transamic acid. You can get them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think uh, the thing that was kind of like, oh, it's exactly as you said. This isn't that much different than a cocktail for someone that is dealing with acne. Really, the only OTC ingredient here is tretinoin and maybe the level of azelaic acid. And I think for me, I was just, it's something that's interesting because it's like, you know, we always knew that these like derm subscription models are going to have to venture out of acne. Um, so yeah. yeah, I think that's just something that I thought I was like, oh, well, I guess that makes sense for curology. But I think um, we kind of want to stick to what we've been talking about before is that if you suffer from tretinoin FOMO, you actually don't have to. I actually have to like really random musings from this yeah one is that prescription brands it ultimately sometimes it's kind of interesting because it kind of limits them to a certain field right mm-hmm. because the only prescription there there are only so many skincare prescription ingredients out there yeah tretinoin is the major one hydroquinone for hyperpigmentation can be uh, prescription required Mm -hmm. but other than that that's about it the azelaic acid niacinamide transamide acid are cosmetic they're really just there to support so when like a telederm type of company wants to expand into other verticals what do they do (laughs) yeah so we'll continue to monitor if you are actually trialing this let us know i just think it's kind of like like Gloria was saying, it's kind of obvious, right? Because yeah. most tretinoin users end up staying becoming tretinoin lifers because they like the wrinkle benefits. Yeah. The second kind of musing I have about this is I almost feel like this I think it highlights that effective ingredients, there's a handful that you hear about over yeah. and over again, right? Yeah. So in this realm of telemed, um, telemed products, they can only use effective ingredients and ingredients that are more or less more backed by science. They can't just jump onto a trend as easy as other brands, say like a mushroom True. product or something, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so you will keep seeing azelaic acid, niacinamide, transamide acid, so on and so forth, these to pop up in these type of products because they work. And sometimes I feel like people, um, when we do our content, we also get a little bit of like, all right, I think it's time to talk about glycolic acid again. And 
it's because they work and they're the trend and true ingredients. Yeah, so definitely stay tuned. Um, we'll see if this line further expands. My prediction is that it's actually going to start moving more into hyperpigmentation, yes. but we'll see. Um, but otherwise, we're going to move on. And this is something that's just kind of more fascinating to me. I'm sure many of you feel like in beauty marketing, they are definitely trying to understand the Gen Zs. Who isn't? <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot of work being done to pull this group of individuals and really kind of break into this market. And so I just thought they, they did, I found this poll and some of the findings were kind of interesting. So the study polled about 5,700 US teens um, and they actually found that uh, the average teen spent about $313 annually, and that has actually jumped 19% as opposed to last year. Oh, well, if you take away like 12% from inflation, I think it's still <laughs> a good size increase. <laughs> yeah, and I thought, you know, surprisingly, I thought that was kind of low. It does sound really low, right? Yeah. Less than 30 bucks a month. Yeah, but then I was also thinking, I was like, you know, as a teenager, I definitely use what my mom used, and maybe that also eats into that a little bit. No, actually, that makes sense. I actually didn't use any products as a teen, skincare-wise, right? Mm. I have a Avena lotion that yeah. my sister gave me, and then I forgot the about it. The body lotion? Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't going to give me anything nice. <laughs> oh, my word. I, I remember I have dry skin. I didn't really have acne as a teenager. <laughs> but Or a standard cleanser that yeah. my parents would buy for me yeah. but anything i want to buy it's just like really random cheesy makeup items to try i had a thing for bright colored eyeshadow it doesn't <laughs> look good on me at all but i like them and that's basically where all my allowances went to well i'm so glad you said that because they have also seen this trend in gen zers gloria oh my god i can relate <laughs> to a gen zer oh my god <laughs> So they, it turns out that color cosmetics surpass skincare this year mm. um, with the top brand being e.l.f. Uh. And yeah, I thought that was like, well, I, I will say e.l.f. has got to be one of the biggest TikTok brands yep. for you know, affordable makeup. So that makes a lot of sense. And then just the other thing I was going to mention is they did even look into shopping behaviors and the retails that Gen Zers were shopping at. It turns out that only just 12% of them shopped at these like mass department store drug channels. And majority of Gen Zers actually shopped at specialty retail with Ulta Beauty being the main retailer, which I thought was really fascinating. You know what? Good for Ulta. I yeah. think they're doing fantastic in terms yeah. of capturing the right and a wider audience. Totally. And I think what I'm always curious about and this I think Victoria and I are both firmly in the middle of the millennial pool. So Gen Zers are like interesting creatures and us of <laughs> us recording this podcast my Interesting but awesome. <laughs> my my Gen Z niece just got her license. So as these kids enter into, you know, college mm -hmm. and the workforce, uh, to me I think I'm really curious how their skincare habit will develop because they have so much, they have access to so much more information than even we did. Totally. You know, Victoria and I often muse about skincare mistakes that we made in our mm -hmm. youth because we didn't know better. But these kids are already on social media for good or worse. But 
they already see the sunscreen application videos. They hear about maybe don't strip your skin too much. Or they also watch those videos on like really the really horrifying TikTok skincare trends too. So I don't really know what the net effect will be and what their skincare routines will be like when they get into their 20s and their 30s. I always like to tell people about my zillennial brother. I must say zillennial, but he's a Gen Zer. Um, <laughs> and I'm just amazed because he started using sunscreen so much earlier than I, de- I did. Mm-hmm. And he has oily skin, used to be acneic, um, more acne prone. Mm-hmm. And it's just fascinating to me because his habits are just so much better than when I was like his age. And I just feel like, yeah, I- I'm telling you Gen Zers, when they're 50 and 60 are just gonna look incredible <laughs> yes and the segue to my horrifying abino body lotion story is <laughs> my first skincare product after my first real skincare product that i bought was avino's face cream <laughs> so i upgraded from the body cream to an actual face cream it's a spf moisturizer and so i didn't start using sunscreen till i was 18. And I used that day and night, and it wasn't very moisturizing yeah. on my skin. It was like, okay. And I kept using it for three <laughs> more years after. Yeah. And that's just how it was. Yeah. So teenagers are different. They're made different nowadays. So yeah, no, just super fascinating. And yeah, just so you know, Gen Zers, they're all watching you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Last bit of news, and it's not really news. It's just something that I absolutely have to flame. Um, obviously you all know that I have acneic skin, do follow some brands, although I think this brand is just one of those I just can't unsubscribe from, but I don't know. Anyways, yes, I'm putting this brand on blast, Disco Skincare. You sent me an email and the title is How to Be Less Ugly. Excuse me? And it's about acne. And I just want to say that, bro, it's 2023. Uh, what makes you think that you can shame people with acne this year at this time? And also, you can suck it. <laughs> I was going to say, last episode, we talked about sunscreen. Yeah. The two finger rule. Some might say three finger might be better. You can take all three of those fingers and you shove it up your... <laughs> My God, like this feels so dated. And Disco Skincare is actually, it's a... Um, Kind of like an indie startup brand geared towards male skincare. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just really caught off guard that I like, I know you're there for shock factor, but dude, I don't have to be disrespectful. Whoever What's thought wrong? that line was funny really needed a reality check. Yeah. And how annoying is it? We'll show the, the screenshot here of the email and how it appeared in my inbox. There's a disco emoji, dude, next to that how to be less ugly tagline. So yeah boo anyways all right that's it for the news uh we are actually going to move on to decode that claim uh and just like a lot of other product categories there's a few things we should talk about here just just a few (laughs) yeah and i think the first thing um we should talk about is there's definitely a set of products that don't really actually have a lot of clinical or clean substantiation and this is very interesting to me because acne is an otc category Mm -hmm. and you would think that you know the classic like salicylic acid bpo 
these products all have a lot of data around these OTC ingredients, mm-hmm. therefore they should be reasonably effective, right? But some brands kind of write that too hard, yeah. and when they extend beyond just like breakout or um, just uh, extend beyond the acne journey and go into post acne care or acne mark reduction and whatnot, they are too comfortable writing the OTC claims that they don't bother substantiating these secondary or tertiary um, product types. Totally, and that's why we are, you know, for this segment, we really want to focus on kind of like that post acne care. Gloria is absolutely right that in acne care, if you just have salicylic acid on a drug fact label, it's stamped acne and it's moving on. So that in terms of treatment is already bad. But um, I think we found a really good example in Neutrogena's Rapid Clear Toner, which I always laugh because I just feel like I don't know why the toner category is just like targeting every acne user. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like all the toners are for acne, but... Anyways, uh, I wanted to call out this Neutrogena Rapid Clear. They call it two-in-one fight and fade toner. Um, They call out ingredients salicylic acid and glycolic acid. But what's really interesting is that on the bottle, Mm -hmm. you'll see fights, breakouts in under eight hours. And then it'll say, fades the look of post-acne marks. But also, we couldn't find any sort of testing to substantiate any of these claims yeah especially i think i think the fights break out in under eight hours mark I'm like i really hope you did some testing but the fades the look of post acne marks i'm like oh, i really really <laughs> hope you did some testing and to be fair this product not to be fair but in this product we'll post ingredient list mm-hmm. here it features classic cell acid to make the acne claims but then it also has glycolic acid which in the toner, I am really doubting that it's fading the look of any scar and or pigmentation. Yeah, and you know, post-acne marks are kind of a subcategory of hyperpigmentation. I think from if you dial back to our hyperpigmentation blog posts and podcast episodes, it takes the whole whole family of actives to really target everything Mm -hmm. and exfoliants do help um speed up that process to lighten um those spots but yeah it's just one of many that you need from our toner chart toner landscape chart we'll even slide this in on the like the most introductory level of it because as far as that goes it's not even the most heaviest hitting exfoliating toner you can find on the market so yeah, I almost feel like Neutrogena is really writing even the rapid clear line name too hard. Maybe. It, yeah. The line as a whole does really well. It's almost a it's almost a rite of passage for a teenager to get something from this line. I also so. thought it was interesting because it said fights breakouts in under eight hours. And I was like, I guess what's it what's stopping you from saying fights breakouts? immediately because like at that point it's like yeah i put it on my face and, and it's fighting so immediately <laughs> i don't know yeah so we'll say this is one category where they're really writing kind of the data of these call out ingredients mm. as opposed to you know some of these claims that we're used to seeing i also think fades is kind of a cop-out true word right mm-hmm. like phase to what degree what kind of level of improvement it's vague enough that you can say 
it fades. With <laughs> 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 the one percent, 3% is a fade, 4% improvement is a fade, you know? <laughs> yep. So that's category one. Category two, we would say, is more ideal, and we should provide some context here. Anything that involves like uh, post acne scarring or pigmentation or footprints or anything like that usually is very complex. It's kind of actually like the eye cream um, category in that there's not really a good organized way of approaching post acne care. Um, and because of that, and the fact that it's stubborn, takes a long time, can be difficult to treat while you're also still breaking out, that means that it's really hard to find really robust clinical data on products. Mm. Um, so if you were to scroll through and you're looking for these kinds of like spot treatments and whatnot, you will oftentimes see that there are a lot of them are just consumer perception studies. And that's, I kind of get it, to be honest. I think being on the other side, we know like how difficult it is to get a winning clinical measurement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially with hyperpigmentation. For sure. And that's another area where it's prepared to be whelmed. <laughs> I, I just, <laughs> just not. This category, you'll see a lot of BNAs, which yeah. you bet is the best picture from whatever size clinical that they did mm -hmm. and i get it it's very difficult and we did in the eye cream episode we talked about how a 50 percent of the subject matter seeing improvement is good enough i would say this isn't as bad but it's the degree of improvement is kind of in that same bucket of difficult right and you see what's worse is like really crappy products out there that uses obviously fake but still like viral imagery of yeah. things erasing pores or wiping away your dark spots or scars like it doesn't work like that everyone knows that but you still have it in the back of your head that that's what you want to see but that's not the degree of improvement that these products are ultimately really going to give you yeah and so i think one thing to keep in mind is there are a lot of spot treatments that get, that get positioned as post-acne care. Mm -hmm. And we kind of want to watch out for this because those situations are quite, th those formulas can be quite different than, you know, post-acne care um, products in some ways. Um, and so that's why one of the things we'd like to call it is, we actually like the marriage of both BNAs yeah. and good consumer perception claims. What we mean by that is we're going to highlight Murad's Invisiscar resurfacing treatment and actually doesn't have stellar reviews. And to be honest, it's just like eye creams. It's going to be a bit lukewarm. Mm -hmm. But what we liked here is one, the BNAs actually include individuals that do have acne breakouts. Mm -hmm. The second thing is in their consumer perception studies, they actually reference to acne like post acne marks mm -hmm. and i think that's very important to highlight versus you know your typical hyperpigmentation cl claims where you're like skin looks brighter skin looks more even you know right. things like that and i think marrying those two will kind of give you a sense of okay this might actually perform for my specific case versus those that are just looking to treat kind of like general hyperpigmentation for sure. And with that, the, of course, the downfall is it's only tackling acne, post-acne scars from such a limiting angle when it's actually a very complex problem. I also like that their picture, you can definitely tell it's clearly not a self 
perception type mm-hmm. of thing. It's not a selfie picture. Mm-hmm. This is uh, very obviously a clinical setting that's probably from Vizia. <laughs> so you can see that it's a in this control lighting, you can see a degree of improvement and set a very realistic expectation of what kind of improvement you can see. While there's obvious market improvement, it's not like a magical eraser that you can just wipe away scarring eight weeks. Yeah. And to be honest, this is pretty bold study because mm-hmm. first of all, acne scarring, um, you should know, is always at the end of the day to um, completely tackle the situation, you're going to need an in-office procedure. So the fact that they're actually looking at scarring in general, um, I feel like is pretty ballsy. Um, but, you know, a lot of their, we'll read a couple of their claims um, where it says 100% agree scar texture is smoother and more even. Mm-hmm. 91% agree skin roughness on scar is significantly improved. 86% agree scars look less discolored. And these are proven results reported by trial participants in an eight-week clinical study. And I think like that degree of detail is really important and can be very helpful for this category that just doesn't really have a lot of details sometimes. I will say though, I I get that this category, the data is kind of scarce and it's hard to come by a really good study. But I'm like, I'll talk physio pictures. So you didn't do image analysis. (laughs) So that's what, that's exactly my point is like, a lot of brands aren't going to share the instrumental data because they're probably not that exciting. <laughs> <laughs> like, you probably get candidates that do great. Yes. And then you've probably got candidates that have probably more permanent scarring, deeper scarring, that unfortunately topicals just won't do well on. Yeah, that is so true. And even in this uh, in this picture that Mira decided to share, yeah. this is obviously a, a pretty good case. Yeah. You can see where there is more texture that kind of that Ice that pick dip, starring. the ice pick star uh, on her cheek. Yeah. You can tell that the pigmentation may be better, but the mm-hmm. degree of that like little indent doesn't seem that improved. Yeah. So it is hard to tackle those scars as well. Yeah, no, it's a really good one. And another thing Gloria and I can tell you is that actually uh, recruiting for acne studies is so hard Terrible. and so expensive. <laughs> uh, I think uh, the minute you ask, I think I've briefly ask a clinical testing site like oh say we're interested in yeah. doing this type of study how much would it be and they're like oh yeah it's all about we do da, 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 da. here are the testing stuff yeah. that we're looking for like oh cool i'm what kind of what kind of study participants are you looking for i'm like well we're thinking inflammatory acne and they're like oh uh yeah <laughs> so, hello is anyone there <laughs> yeah it's true it's every you know it's not just acne it's type of acne we actually even looked at things like, you know, um, body acne. Yep. People have straight up asked us why, because it's so expensive for a category that people are just like, I don't really know if the payoff's there. And that's that's kind of what these products face when trying to test. Also, there's a lot because there's a lot of teenage acne. Then you get into underage people consent mm-hmm. issues and uh, with younger people, compliance yes. is also an issue. Totally. So anyway, acne studies are a hot mess. Yep. That leads us to our third point. And the third point is really more that when you go toward this, go into this category, I think it's important to manage expectations on what these topicals can do for your post-acne situation. Um, Like we said before, if you are noticing topography changes in your skin, 
that is the type of scarring that will require in-office procedures. Mm -hmm. And as far as post-acne hyperpigmentation and these footprints go, um, Gloria and I are actually going to cover that in the next episode Mm -hmm. when we talk about post-acne care and why topicals like these might be more of a sidekick product than actual main squeeze um, in comparison to some of the topicals you're already using. So we'll go into that. But hopefully that gives you a sense of the product landscape, how it gets really muddled with hyperpigmentation. And Laura's worked on a ton of those products before. She can tell you that that category is a bit of a mess. Jank. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I have a question. I have a question before we end this segment. Would you, as someone who doesn't get a lot of acne, this Mm -hmm. is something that is always hard for me to do the research and kind of put some sense to it, which is, the acne journey isn't linear, right? No. It's also a little cyclical. Yes. So if someone's prone to acne scarring, usually do you wait till you're getting less inflamed yeah. acne? At what point do you tackle it? Is it a focus routine or do you, yeah. You see what I'm saying? No, totally. <laughs> and that's the problem. Then, No, that actually highlights the biggest issue of all is that at the end of the day and why most of the money and research goes into treating acne than actual acne care is for that reason. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to stop your breakouts to a really good point, like a majority, before you can even start thinking about in-office procedure or else you're going to have to do that in-office procedure again. Mm -hmm. So this is where it's like, I'm sure those who have battled it like I have, it just feels like a constant marathon of constant tug of war, you know, Mm. with breakouts. That's why the focus and most of it is just on treating and how do we break out and less with less and less with every breakout? Because I guarantee you, and we all know this, it's never a next day fix. (laughs) Yep. Even if you pop it, which I do. I do. That's a confession. I still do. (laughs) But yeah. (laughs) Yep. But we'll get into it more next Mm -hmm. episode. So keep an eye out. Totally. All right. So we're going to wrap up this episode with some Q&A. The first question comes from our YouTube channel. Thank you guys for submitting all those questions. This person asks, some brands claim exfoliating properties from fruits. So are the fruit exfoliating formulations just as good as the traditional AHAs and BHAs? Or is there a major difference? And which one is better? Or it really doesn't matter? Gloria, Gloria, Gloria. It's not. <laughs> no. I feel like Victoria picked this question because she Gloria, knows Gloria, how Gloria, I feel about them. Um, long story short is no, they're not better. Mm. They're not they're definitely not more effective than traditional AHA and BHAs. Yeah. It, it does kind of depend on how, how efficacious they are, can depend on the sourcing of the fruit acids. We say this because a lot of times different suppliers can have different blends. Some may be to some degree validated. I have seen people that have natural alternative to AHAs that have tested to prove that, yes, in fact, it does help skin turnover to go yeah. faster. A lot of them don't. And some <laughs> extract some fruit blends or fruit yeah. waters. They write on this rich in claims, which I Gloria hate loves. <laughs> so much. <laughs> so they'll say blah, blah, blah. Fruits have is a natural source for AHAs. It's awesome. Therefore, it's uh, going to exfoliate your skin. I have done the math here and there. I'm not going to do that this episode. But <laughs> you're talking about if you're using a exfoliating, exfoliating toner or serum or even like a home peel mask, you're talking about 5%, 10%, upwards to 30%, say, glycolic acid. 
if you have a 10% rich in glycolic acid extract, you are talking about in your final product, an end level of glycolic acid of, I am willing to put a lot of money under 1%. I like how you were like, I'm not doing the math. But I'm just, I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> Think about it. I'm talking about best case scenario. If it touches 2%, I'd be shocked. So... No, it doesn't work as well as traditional AHAs and BHAs. I would say if you're already using a glycolic acid mm -hmm. or a lactic, there's no reason to reach for something that only has a fruit acid. I am not as offended by products that have them as a supplement mm -hmm. thing because I feel like the longer we do chemist confessions, the more sympathy I have for marketers <laughs> of like, it's harder to communicate. So if Look it's at us, there, we're growing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah kind of. <laughs> so if it's there to along for the ride for a nice story, I'm not really offended, but know that it's not there to carry the efficacy. I, <laughs> this is going off tangent, but last week we talked about how we did a live show and Gloria had the same <laughs> rant about uh, rich in extracts. Yeah. And I would just like to continue the mantra of please help Gloria to stop doing the math and please stop falling for rich in claims because she just keeps doing the math and she keeps going on these brands. You know what's help really her, <laughs> please. You know what's really weird is uh, instead of AHAs, I am more offended in rich in retinol claims. Mm. I'm like, <laughs> those, are, those are so irritating to me because the products you usually find them in um, are oils. And Rose up seed, we're looking at you. Yeah, it's really <laughs> misleading because you're not getting any retinoid benefits from rosehip oil. It's just not. So Yeah, for sure. Okay. And with that, question number two uh, is not a skincare question, thank God, so everyone can take a breath. Signing off. <laughs> question is, is there any truth in the claim that drugstore shampoos don't clean your hair? What? Because the ingredients are too watered down. What? Do they produce fake suds? I am a certified shampoo snob, but I thought these claims were a bit strange. I have used drugstore shampoo in my life, and while I have my complaints, I do feel that my hair and scalp do get clean. As a drugstore I brand aficionado, <laughs> does my scalp look dirty? <laughs> and we can also tell you that we know a few hair care chemists that work on drugstore brands, and those guys are so sad right now. <laughs> Who put out this rumor? Shoot Wimura, is that you? <laughs> Kerastase, is that you? What's that one? Purology. Purology. And Aribe. It's gotta be those guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, we can tell you that majority of them uh, well, definitely wash is fine. do clean. They actually do a ton of work on formulas that cost like four bucks. And we will say that, yeah, I don't, I wouldn't have any doubts. Yeah. So, Gloria and I actually only use drugstore brands. <laughs> and I'll be honest, hair is not a category I really indulge in. Yeah, like true. I'm someone that clips coupons to go to Costco to save a buck <laughs> on my bucket yeah. of shampoo. Yeah. My hair is dry, so once in a while I'll try a more expensive conditioner. Mm -hmm. And once in a blue moon I'll try a very expensive shampoo if I'm feeling up to it. And I really, I really enjoy some of the formulas of these really fancy shampoos. Yeah. I try a Shu or a Mura shampoo that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And it is does that Tsubaki one? No, on. no. It's like, it's even more expensive oh. than that. Uh, I think it's like 60 bucks for a tiny bottle. Damn. Yeah. 
um, it did feel really nice. I think a lot of expensive brands they uh, they focus a lot on that really rich lather, that fancy surfactant uh, blend to get it just right. Mm-hmm. Cheap shampoos, as you can imagine, the focus is on making price point as low as possible. Yeah. They're also really heavy to ship, so everywhere you go, you're very limited to the type of ingredients you can use. But they work in yeah. terms of uh, in terms of cleaning your hair. They will absolutely work just fine. Yeah. And I was also going to add that um, I, Gordon and I, we travel a bit to Asia mm-hmm. and I've definitely tried dabbling in a lot of Asian shampoos and I have a very oily scalp. No surprise there. There's a lot of them I actually can't use. They will cause me to break out. Oh, um, like they're, they're too rich type of? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So even the Tsubaki one, which actually I realized that's Shiseido, right? Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah. And then... Um, there's a couple like main um, Japanese brands that I just they they smell beautiful, they lather beautifully, mm-hmm. but I it doesn't work for my scalp, and actually that can impact like my breakouts, even on like my back. Mm-hmm. So just something to think about, you know. Um, and we can definitely tell you that yeah, there are surfactants out there that are very affordable for this reason mm-hmm. so that they do perform well despite the cost um yeah and that you shouldn't worry so victoria what's your go-to cheap shampoo versus i'm so embarrassed i don't want to say <laughs> <laughs> okay all right um i guess another confession um <clears throat> back in the day when gloria and i used to work for l'oreal i used the l'oreal kid shampoo <laughs> You guys remember the tear-free one that had the kid and the foam over the eyes? Can't confirm. It still kind of made me tear, but that's the one I use. I used to buy those from my nieces. It's been a few years. They were like, dude, no. Um, Yeah, that's my worst one. I think my go-to cheap shampoo is Pantene. Mm. Though I think they've changed their formula so many times. I also recently bought it because it has a Costco. There's like a Costco <laughs> palette size of Pantene. Yeah, and I got it for that reason. I will say I'm lukewarm about it. Yeah. It does the job, yeah. but I don't love it. Mm. Uh, I do really like the L'Oreal Parasite, the black and gold bottle. Yes, the Elvive. That that's very... Is it Elvive? Elvive, yeah. Yeah, that I one's think, very good. Yeah, yes. that line's pretty well done. So yes. that's my favorite drugstore, chem- uh, drugstore brand. Definitely. Uh, sorry, I should also confirm that... I would say currently I don't have a frame, but I think that's a great one to recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, I currently use Herbal Essence. Coupon. Ah! <laughs> the Coupon. retro type of... No, the kitchen. And suddenly no one essence. listens to Victoria and her hair tips. And this is why Chemist Confessions is a skincare podcast, not a hair care podcast, guys. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Okay. We went off tangent again. Let's wrap this up with the final question. And this one's super simple, but there is some context behind this. Person asks, hi, do I need a toner in my routine? No, Fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, just kidding. But no, I wouldn't say need is the right operative word here. It's definitely a skew that, again, there's no straightforward meaning to what is a toner. Why must you use a toner? So it's kind of like a nice you have depending on your routine, your personal preference. Totally. And the reason why I wanted to highlight this um, question was because the person who asked us this, I felt like it was such a good example of kind of like a user scenario. Yeah. Because she was like, hi, can you recommend me a toner? 
And then we're like, hi, could you tell us more about mm-hmm. your routine and why you want to use this toner? And then she'd tell us this. She's got a great routine, actually. It has a lot of active. So kind of, um, we we're trying to figure out like, oh, can you then tell us like why you're looking for a toner? She's like, well, I've just read that I'm supposed to use a toner, mm-hmm. you know, like what? And so uh, I just want to know like what I should be using. And then you could see kind of like the gears turning. And then at the end of it, she's asking, wait, so do I need a toner? Like, am I supposed to use a toner? And then I just felt like that's like the classic, like, I read this was good for me. I'm supposed to use it. Why am I supposed to use it? Like, you literally saw the thought process go down. And I just feel like that's the toners is just that category that does that. Yeah. And I think for us as chemists, we've also seen this area just evolve and come back and much like my newfound sympathy for marketing i'm like okay okay <laughs> my newfound <laughs> sympathy <laughs> i understand why they exist as a category yeah. it's more like a routine thing it's a refreshing kind of feel and texture because it's so lightweight You're so really it's a, growing <laughs> i'm really trying <laughs> so it's a nice to have yeah but where i draw the line is when you get too deep into the functionality thereof yeah. First of all, they're kind of like, if you're talking about things like acne fighting, you're talking about hydrating, you're talking about hyperpigmentation fighting, toner is going to be half-baked in all these categories. <laughs> they're not going to replace any of your treatments. Yeah. Well, that's kind of how we feel about it. And I think we'll have a real up um, on the pharmacy's new Brighten Up toner. And it's a great example of that. It has buzzy actives, effective actives, like transamic mm. acid, azelaic acid. Mm. You'll also see an ingredient list that has some lactic acid or gluconolactone. So all great ideas, all at pretty low level. So the upside is, I was looking for an upside because I'm, I'm going to, I'm a change woman and be very positive <laughs> about everything. Minus Guys, this claims. is groundbreaking. <laughs> as, as her partner, I can tell you, <laughs> it's a monumental <laughs> moment. <laughs> You're not at a risk of overlaying actives. Mm. You're not, it's not pushing levels so high that adding this toner will break your routine. You don't have to do a deep decode of like, oh no, this has azelaic acid. I already have an azelaic cream. Does that mean I need to change my whole routine? This is not it, right? Yeah. But at the same time, then it's like, well, but as a hyperpigmentation toner, does that really help that much? I don't <laughs> know how to answer that question. Enrichment. We're just gonna yeah, it's cherry on top enrichment. It's like a nice supplemental. Have. Yeah, exactly. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not uplifting now. No, you don't need need a toner if you're happy with your routine. <laughs> <laughs> but if you have a, if you're happy with your toner, stay the course. All right, guys. Well, we should wrap up this episode. <laughs> <laughs> this is longer than we thought it would have been. <laughs> we hope this was helpful in decoding a few of those acne product claims. Um, where can they find us, Gloria? You can find us on our <laughs> website at chemistconfessions.com. You can write to us at info at comma, 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 comma,